Welcome to the Dream, Plan, Start, Grow podcast hosted by Allison Turner. In each episode, we interview real everyday entrepreneurs to learn how they got their start, what challenges they faced and overcame when starting the business, and what successes each has had. Welcome to the Dream Plan Start Grow show. My name is Allison Turner. I am your host. I created the show to educate either potential business owners or other business owners on how different entrepreneurs got their start. I find that each of us has a different story. Each of us has had different challenges and different successes. And even business owners that have been in business for 5, 10, 15 years can still learn from other business owners. So today I have with me Vivian DeMille, who actually is, what is your current title? Chief Operating Officer at Henderson Behavioral Health. And I also uh, am the owner of a yoga studio here in Delray Beach called Casamana Bliss. So she's got kind of two roles, but she has a very different story to lifestyle, I guess, where she started more as an attorney, because I know you have the attorney background from many years ago, and then have kind of graduate, gradually gone into the direction of the behavioral health as well as the yeah. yoga. So you've kind of married two different worlds. So how did you kind of go from attorney to something it's, else? It actually, the attorney was an accident, actually. I, I never really- <laughs> Three years of school. On, right, I never really landed on being an attorney. Uh, in fact, when I was 15, my mother would say to me, you're gonna be an attorney someday. And I'm like, I am not gonna be an attorney. I was such a rebel. I will never be an attorney. That is so not who I am. And and when I decided to go to law school, I had to eat my words. I'm like, I had to call my mother and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be an attorney. <laughs> exactly. But actually I was always in behavioral health. Um, I started in behavioral health at 21 and I uh, did it because a counselor at my high school asked me to help him. When I was in college, I didn't know what I was going to study. Uh, I thought I was going to be an actress. I, I, I would make a terrible actress. I don't know what I was thinking. a good actress name, though. Vivian DeMille. Right? Yeah, I, I have the name, right? <laughs> um, but um, he asked me to help him. When I was in high school, I was one of those kids that was constantly getting in trouble. And so they sent me to this, like, lunchtime counseling group and this counselor that I had was so awesome and he was such a big influence in my life and when I went back to college and came back to town because I'd moved away for a little bit um, I went and I thanked him and uh, he said why don't you volunteer at the school and work with kids they're going to listen to you more than they will me mm -hmm. because you've got some experience right. you can connect with them in a different way so I started volunteering with them at my high school and I'm like man I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So I switched my major to psychology. I started volunteering for the Mental Health Association in Palm Beach County here locally and really loved the work. I happened to also then just land a job at the Center for Information and Crisis Services, which is 211 here in, in mm -hmm. uh, Palm Beach County as a crisis line supervisor. And uh, that's how I started my career. Somewhere along the line, I met a mentor. Um, he helped me really grow. And I knew that I had to become an attorney because I wanted to start my own company. Nobody would take a 25-year-old seriously. <laughs> you know, I was this hippie kid. So you became kid. an attorney? <laughs> yeah, for actually for credibility. For no other reason, because I wanted to get into the business side of it. And everybody was significantly older and more credentialed than I am. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, that's funny because I almost got my master's in social work. Almost. <laughs> 
I was one semester shy when I dropped out of it because I just couldn't see myself fulfilling the two years of the stuff that you have to do under supervision right. and kind of jump through the hoops of um, right. restrictions. Absolutely. <laughs> so I couldn't see myself doing that. But my plan at the time was to, because I had done my MBA first, okay. and that was really the direction I was thinking of going was like, maybe I could like head one of these organizations. So, you know, get out of the practice side of it, right. but understand it enough so you could actually make a difference at the top instead of just coming in from, you know, because sometimes people are just practitioners and they move up in the organization. Right. And they don't really have the background, like you said, to really run the organization necessarily. And Without I mean, they can't learn, but, you know, some are better than others. <laughs> Without a doubt. You know, and then the other side was, you know, if you just come in from the MBA side, then obviously you don't really have the the Practical. clinical side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to have the marriage of both is it's not something that you see often. Uh, originally, people come in with one side stronger than the other and typically have to learn the other side of the practice. Um, but in a, in a balanced organization, you have your folks that are your clinical leaders, and then you have your business side that kind of come together and really uh, think things through to create a balanced organization. I find that that's like the, the magic formula to success in behavioral health. I mean, I think the heart of behavioral health is the work. You know, you have to care. Right. It's one of those industries that if you don't care, you shouldn't really be in because no. in order to make a difference, people connect to people who are invested in them. Mm -hmm. So primarily invest, be invested, care deeply, provide amazing services, state-of-the-art services, stay innovative, learn constantly, ensure quality, and in order to really have a balanced business, make sure your business and financial structures are sound and viable. Right. You know, that's, that's the magic formula. <laughs> and I know you owned one of these businesses, right? I, I did. Like you, I think, with some partners? I did with four partners. Yeah. Um, started out, I say, as a figment of our imaginations. <laughs> uh, we're like, let's do it. And we were too young to know not to do it. Um, I, two, two out of four of my partners and I worked together for this company that wasn't quite the, the we, we started it for someone. Uh, we worked for this consultant and then uh, started a company for a person uh, and then came on as full-time employees. And we found that she wasn't the most ethical person in the world. And we were constantly fighting to be ethical. She didn't really, and not only not ethical, she didn't really care about the work. And one day uh. we're sitting around, <laughs> you know, preparing for an audit that we did fantastic in. And we grew this company for her. And we're like, what are we doing fighting this battle here? We're right. all fairly young. I was the youngest, I think I was 26, but there's like a oh, four wow. or five year spread here between all of us. And, um, we're like, man, we should start a consulting company. So we quit. We actually wrote letters to all of our staff in the middle of the night saying, <laughs> we can't do this anymore. We cannot fight this battle because wow. we don't believe in the kind of work that we're doing here. And we know it can be done differently. And we know we could, you know, we, we don't want to work for something that goes against our values. Yeah. And so we went, we sat outside at my partner's, in my partner's porch. <laughs> We're like, what do we do now? <laughs> What's next up? <laughs> right, we printed some business cards and started knocking on doors <laughs> saying, hi, we're consultants. Um, and we got our first consulting contract. Okay. And uh, we were able to uh, write a grant for an organization for a federal, that was awarded, awarded a federal contract to do some behavioral health work. 
And um, they introduced us to two other folks that were interested in, and they had a license in Broward County and were interested in somebody developing community behavioral health services for them. We all got together and decided to start the company together. Wow. And <laughs> what did we know? I thought I knew. <laughs> sure, why not? I've run some programs. Right. I've run a couple of programs before. What's the difference of the company? And so the year I decided to run, that we started the company, I realized real quickly that in community behavioral health during that time, it was primarily male and primarily men that were significantly older, 60s, 70s, really the oh, wow. CEOs of large companies are typically older folks that right. are seasoned and mm -hmm. been around the block. And here I am, <laughs> I still was wearing tie dye t-shirts and half of our staff thought I was one of the kids when they'd come into the kids program. <laughs> That's great. It's so true. And uh, so I went to law school the year we started the company. Uh. Because it's the I credibility knew piece. that was it. I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, I need something so that people take me a little bit more seriously. I ended up loving law school. I think it changed who I was in a real positive way. I uh, really developed an appreciation for good law and well-written law and mm -hmm. well-thought-out law. Not always is that the case, but where it, when it works and it's well-thought-out, um, it's, it's quite beautiful and eloquent. And so I enjoyed going to law school, but my entire life trajectory and um, passion has always been in mental health and people's just helping people be happier, find a little more peace, um, relief of suffering, mm -hmm. well-being. Now, did you ever practice law? Did you do it within like the confines of your company? I or? did. I did. I did a couple okay. of things. So one of my partners at Chrysalis Health, which was the company we started, mm -hmm. um, he was an attorney and he told me I couldn't call myself a real attorney unless I practiced. <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> pass that bar. <laughs> it doesn't, it, going to school does not make you an attorney. Right. You know, you really cut your teeth when you have to really practice. So he helped me to develop practice. And while we were building our company for um, the first year or two, I pra practiced part time in the evening and it was mostly family law. And it was just because everybody that was referred to me was getting a divorce and maybe it was my age, <laughs> the people I knew, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but um, I liked it and I did well with it. However, having said that, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I was born to do. Especially you, family law can be nasty. <laughs> I say, you know, criminal law, you see the, the worst people at their best. And in family law, you see the best people at their worst. Right. Absolutely. So every time I talk to an attorney and they ask me what I practice and I say family law, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it really yeah. taught me uh, legal skills that, I, that have benefited me throughout the rest of my career. Yeah. Conflict resolution. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes, and yes, I've used my legals, uh, my, my law degree, you know, we work a lot with contracts when you're doing in healthcare, mm -hmm. regulation when you're in healthcare, shaping bills, advocacy work. Um, okay. You know, there's always the liability associated with providing health services and employment law that you need to know. So it served me very well. Okay. So you get, got the degree and then you continued to practice a little bit and then you just continued it within your, your own business. Absolutely. And then how, how long did you own that business? That uh, through, I actually sold my shares in it to my partners. I started to separate in 2019. I was like, 2018, 19, I was like, eh, I think I've had enough. I want to 
retire. <laughs> I want to open up a yoga studio in Delray. I want to be a mommy. I have two kids that I adore and I really had worked so hard that I'd never had a chance to just be a mommy. So I'm like, I, I spoke to my partners. I said, it's time for me to go a separate direction. I started consulting from with them with the idea of separating ultimately, which I sold my shares the beginning of last year in the company. Okay. Um, that's when we opened Casa Monopolis. Mm -hmm. And I love the yoga studio. I love being a part of the yoga community. It's a different aspect of the same thing. You know, when I say what I do, <laughs> what I've done before, when I say the same thing, I've always been in the in the business of helping people connect to a sense of well-being. Okay. And yoga is yeah. all about connecting to a sense right. of well-being in a different way. Yeah. Right. And so it still filled that part of me. Uh, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to meditate all day. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to take my kids to, <laughs> to all their sports. Horse riding. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And a year in, I like my identity was completely lost. I didn't know who I was. <laughs> I'm like, the life doesn't make sense. Why is it that I, all, I go through the whole day thinking I have so much time and the day just flies by and I do absolutely nothing. <laughs> like it really lost a little bit of meaning for me. And I lost myself because when your identity is so tied into for my entire life, I've been in business and my entire life I've, you know, been building companies. And all of a sudden, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I was really lost. I really didn't know who I was anymore. Um, so you weren't in the day-to-day -day operations of Casa Monobliss. No, And, you know, Casa Monobliss is small. You set yeah. up. No, I wasn't in day-to-day -day operations. But, okay. you know, I've, uh, when you think about the, the scope of what I was doing before, Chrysalis grew right. throughout the <laughs> state of Florida. We had... <laughs> Over a thousand employees group now is in Texas and in Ohio, right. largest outpatient behavioral health company in Florida. And <laughs> it was continuously growing. So I was continuously building programs. My, right. my role there was chief business strategy officer. Oh, yeah. And so, right. <laughs> Always had something new to build. <laughs> exactly. And all of a sudden I have just, you know, this tight, you know, small like business that kind of um evolved naturally and organically and had leadership and everything it needed in place and 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 here i was being a mom and i've never even done this before and i really wasn't that that amazing at running around i was always late to everything so <laughs> <laughs> forgot half their stuff and uh so yeah so i started to miss the miss the work and also miss like i feel like uh, I, there's a sense of purpose that comes along Mm -hmm. with the work right. that we do, particularly when you love it. And I miss that, you know, at the, for me, it, I require both. My, being a mother is a wonderful sense of purpose, but I require something else. So an opportunity came up and I went back to work. <laughs> I wasn't looking. So you weren't looking, they sought you out? Well, they, it just, it happened to be, you know, the universe kind of aligns itself. Right. Um, <laughs> so I... I was thinking all of this and I'm like, oh, it'd be kind of interesting to go back to work. I really miss the work. Put it out there. Right. And <laughs> I get a call from a recruiting company saying, hey, I somebody forwarded me your resume and connected with me to you like two years ago and my computer crashed. I just got it back up and your name popped up two years later. And I'm like, oh, I might be interested, you know, hey, that's not bad. And I gave them all the parameters about what I'm wanting to do right now, what I was looking to create it and under what conditions I would want to work. He's like, great, there's going to be amazing opportunities coming up and I'll reach out to you. I'll call you in two weeks. I'm going to this conference. I forget where the conference was. It might have been in Colorado. Uh, it was, I think it was Mental Health Corporation of America. 
And he's like, and, and when I come back, I'll give you a call. He goes out there and he thanks somebody who connected me to him, a CEO of a company here locally, Henderson. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, hey, I thank you so much for the referral. She's awesome. Yeah. She, you know, I connected <laughs> with her. She's, <laughs> she's, you know, she, I think it's going to, you know, something good will come out of it. And he couldn't remember my name. He's like, I think her name was Vicki Valerie. Finally, he remembered my name. And it happened to be that the CEO of our company, Steve, his COO was retiring. So he's like, he called me and he's like, hey, would you be interested in interviewing? And I was like, sure, why not? So that's how it happened. So the recruiter never used you. It was actually the person that had referred you to begin with. <laughs> Without a doubt. And through uh, like, like just accidental, both of them being in the same place at the same time, not in their towns, not intending on connecting on that, happened to come up in conversation. Wow. I know. <laughs> so I think it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. So how, cause I know you were a single mom and then, you know, you were divorced, but then now I know you have, yeah. um, Brandon, uh, Brendan, right? Brendan, Brendan, you know, and so I know he plays a big role he with plays you a huge role. in uh, helping you with kids and oh, <laughs> it takes an army, right? <laughs> Not a village <laughs> to raise children these days, especially as yeah. you're working, you know, you know, a mother with a career. Um, he helps quite a bit, uh, taking the kids to school in the morning. He gets ready faster than I do, so he can help get the kids ready, right? Women take longer somehow to get ready than men. All they have to do is barely brush their hair, you know? <laughs> or sometimes they don't have right. hair. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so he helps bring the kids to school. He, we, you know, share after-school activities. Right now, actually right now, there was at 6 o'clock, there was a football parent meeting for the kids that are going to be on JV and varsity football at my oh, wow. child's school. Uh, so he's there. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped in fully. So I, I don't know what I'd do without him, to be quite honest with you. He's such a great partner. Yeah. But you were dating him, obviously, before you came back into the full-time work. I did. I was okay. dating him. And at that point I was, you know, he met me and, and when we met, I was like, I, he calls me a flitty flit, right? That's what he says about the hippie <laughs> conscious community. <laughs> flitty flit. Right? And I, you know, at that point I, I said, you know, like when I left my previous career, I, I had a suit burning party, right? Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear feather earrings and hippie <laughs> shirts all day. That's how I started my career in tie dye t-shirts and jeans. <laughs> so and somehow I come back to that. Exactly. Full circle. Exactly. So you burned everything? I didn't burn it. I put it like in a suitcase. I put it away after two years. I gave it away thinking I'm like not even two years, a year and a half. I'm never going to use these suits again. <laughs> so I had to go buy them all over again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Buy a new wardrobe. Absolutely. So he's been supportive through yeah. You, yeah. Know, you going oh, back yeah. in full time and obviously. Yeah, he's really been a champion for it. He, he saw it right from the start. He saw, I think he saw it before I saw it. <laughs> He, he thought, you know, like, what are you doing? I mean, you have so much to contribute, you know? Why aren't you doing, what's stopping you from contributing? And, you know, when you're still passionate about it, because I talk about the work a lot. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's been a huge supporter. Yeah, I, I have a utmost respect for people that can either run businesses or do things with kids. I mean, I have a stepdaughter, but I don't even see her half the time. Right. I don't even see her half the time right now. I don't even see her at all, because, you know, she goes, she didn't get up until God knows when. Right, right. And then, uh, you know, then she leaves for work at five and works until 10 or 11. And I'm usually in bed by, 
you know, I try and go to bed between like 10 and 11. So Fine. usually I'm in bed before she gets off. And so we kind of were like ships and <laughs> passing the night. And uh, yeah, that's how it is with teenagers, right? Yeah, I mean, she's 17 going on 25, so. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Yeah, so, so still a little more yeah. control. Oh, listen, <laughs> I worked from home today because I had to do some running around and um, and I was getting ready to come here and she's my 12-year-old who can really prepare lots of stuff for, her, for herself at this point, food-wise. She comes up to me, she looks at me, she's like, I'm hungry. I'm, like, I'm running out the door, she sees I'm running, I'm late. I'm hungry, I want something to eat. I'm like, well. There's a lot of options. You can go and make yourself whatever you want. She's like, oh, I, I want you to make it for me. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh. I'm not normally home even. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I'm so home. So we negotiated that one. I'm like, I'll make you something later. Why don't you make a snack now? Right. Um, but yeah, so it's still, they're still needing, a, when I'm there, they there's a lot that they require of me. And and that's okay. I, I huh, love it. Yeah. I do it all with a lot of love. But my day started early, 4.30 in the morning. And we've talked about that. Yeah. That's when I get only, up. <laughs> yeah. And they end late and they're really, really full. And it's and it's a balance. Being a mother and being in business and, and having a career is really at some points, one or the other, you have to sacrifice a little bit in. Um, make room, you know, some days just know you're going to have to leave early to show up for games. And there's other right. days where you're not going to be able to be everywhere at one time. And I have to apologize profusely to the family because things come up and you have to work. And there's a little bit of guilt <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah. I'm not doing enough at home or, oh my gosh, I have to leave work. I feel guilty that I have to leave work to go take care right. of the kids. And that's just part of the territory of having yeah. to do both. But your kids at this point seem to understand as much as they can at 12 and 14. Uh, yeah. And I think they're proud of me and they, they like it. They understand that what I do is like, like really, uh, like, helpful to society. I've raised them to to be kids that want to contribute to society. I think it's important that we all get back and mm -hmm. that we all do our oh, part absolutely. on this earth while we're here. And so they know that I'm doing my part. And so they're supportive because of that. Yeah. And I think it's obviously good from a female side is, you know, that you're mentoring, especially your daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, she's so fierce. <laughs> <laughs> she was born already independent, confident, and ready to go. I'm like, who is this kid? She doesn't even need me. <laughs> she's a year old and she does everything for herself. Oh, except for make snacks. When, make snacks. When, uh, well, that's when only you she wants home. mommy. She wants mommy. But absolutely, she is definitely going to do really well in life in terms of career-wise and business. She's strong. She's independent. She's confident. She's... Um, She's got a good head about her. I have no doubt that she will carve her own path. And thank God for the women that came before her, I say, you know, mm -hmm. and the struggles we went through because it was not, I think, you know, as a young girl, I didn't have the opportunity. I mean, I had the opportunities. Obviously, I did pretty okay in life, but it was much more difficult. And there was still a lot of, uh, not, women weren't considered to be on the same playing field in the same right. playing field as men back then. We were objectified a lot. We were not thought to be as smart. We were disregarded to a certain extent, mm -hmm. like, and it was a good old boys club in a lot of places and still is in some places. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it was much harder. We had to be much tougher. In fact, I, you know, I say about the, the female role models of the past, like 
I was a lot tougher and more, I, I would say my approach to business was a lot more masculine when I was young because most of my role models were men and there was just not a lot of the, the softness and femininity that wasn't a place in business for. I had to learn that later on, how to develop that feminine style of leadership. That's completely different <laughs> to what was there. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I know Jack, uh, who's filming this, always talks to me about how I have more testosterone than he did. Right. <laughs> right. In certain instances. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that is, I mean, because I think most of my role models and even when I, you know, if I have a mentor or a coach or someone that I look up to, I mean, most of them, I just gravitate more towards the men. You know, I don't right. know if that's the exposure, if I just interact better that direction. Right. I mean, it's just natural for me to gravitate more towards the men. I mean, there really haven't been as many women that I'm like, oh yeah, she's cool. I mean, like, right. you know, Right. I think that the, I think we probably that's that's a market that we should be looking at is women mentoring women, really taking mm -hmm. a role in and helping women out and also finding ways of networking because, you know, men have been really good at networking and right. building relationships for a really long period of time. And, and, and we still are kind of figuring out how to do that and support each other along the way and what's the yeah. best way. Maybe, you know, guys go and play golf, you know, go have a cigar, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, how do we do it? Yeah. I mean, I don't always like, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, you're more into the yoga side, but I'm not necessarily as into right. the yoga. So like, if it's one of the, like, let's all go do yoga together. I'm like, right. <laughs> right. right. You know, so it's like, how do you find that happy medium? Right. Um, you know, if I knew how to play golf a little better, I like, I'd be more that direction than. Right. Or than, maybe even going know, out to dinner. Cause I know, uh, I joined like a, this online women's networking thing and I'm still kind of called Fem City and I'm still kind of up in the air about it, but they have local events. And so like one that was this past month, which I couldn't go to because I had another event already, but it was like, a, what was it? A yoga, something like that. But, um, you know, and I'm like, uh. I mean, I couldn't go anyway. So it wasn't, it was kind of a moot point, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'll try and get to their next event just to kind of get a feel of what they're right. about and see if I, cause I want to do some kind of connection in person and not just be on this online platform. Right, right. Uh, see if it's worth it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not a lot of money, but I'm like, eh, it's not really worth it if I have to stay online and just do that. Right. Cause you don't really get that like real connection with a human right. being online. It's really, it's hard to build that, um, relationship of trust when you don't have that yeah. in-person connection. I mean, I'm sure it's happening. I mean, maybe I'm old school because we're in the era of, you know, everything <laughs> being done via Zoom and technology teams or what, whatever other platforms are out there. And most people don't ever see each other face to face, but I think there's value to being together um, and yeah. in, in person. There is something that happens where you connect deeply with the human being that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think after, especially in networking for the last couple of years, and that was been heavily online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still have one group that stayed online. That's a weekly group. Yeah. And, um, you know, but we do also do socials like once a month that's in person. Right. So I think that's helped some because I actually moved to that group. I was in a different one in Palm Beach County. And uh, I shifted from the pre previous chapter, which I had been going to in person until we shut down to this one. And so like, I didn't even know any of these people in person, except for maybe one or two that I knew kind of through the chamber right. who happened to be in this group too. And, uh, so I was meeting people when we started being able to do the socials. That's when I was actually meeting people 
and right. being able to say hello to people. And I was like, oh, you look taller, you know, in person. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, or shorter right. or whatever the case was, you know, was um, because I was getting to meet them for the first time and right. I'd never met them in person. So, right. Uh, so I shouldn't use those filters online that give me all that makeup and everything because they'll leave me alive. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't do oh that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, you're really not a blonde. <laughs> You've got brown eyes. Yeah, exactly. Just a filter. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, why not? He's got all those filters now. I don't know. I'm, I'm kidding. I've never tried to figure out how to use all of those. I haven't either. I like the backgrounds. That's kidding. about the extent of uh, what right. I do. I don't even do the backgrounds. Well, I just hit the blur button. <laughs> I know that is. Yeah. And I know you give a back give back a lot to the community, too. I do. You know, so I don't know how you play it all out because <laughs> I do. I know you're the, for example, the chair of the Delray Beach Chamber um, board right now. Um, and I know that takes a lot of time because you have to be kind of connected to a bunch of different committees and things I like that. I do, but the last couple of months with summer, it slowed down a little bit and I've slowed down a little bit. It's time to for me to pick back up with what I'm doing there. I feel like, uh, you know, with travel and, and, and just summer itself, uh, there, you slack off a little bit. Right. And that's awful. But it, but otherwise, like I've been trying to show up to absolutely everything. Um, <laughs> but there's only so much you can do. You balance. You show up to what it's meaningful. You give as much as you can. Um, I I'm doing I'm chairing that. I'm also now um, on the Environmental Protection Hearing Board here for Palm Beach County. Yeah. Board of Governors uh, for the Commission on Substance Abuse and Mental Health for the United Way in Broward. And a couple of other committees and groups that I participated in for our <laughs> county. So, and and then I've been I've chaired a couple of ad hoc committees this year to look at the workforce issue in my field and some other things. So it's been busy. It's been it's and it's really just yeah. about uh, time management. And I think with any anybody that does a lot, what I've learned because I've even you know, when I was in, in my last role, I was building a. It wasn't just Chris Liz. We built multiple other companies along the way. Um, so the Chrysalis group had Chrysalis and we had a real estate holding company and then we oh, built wow. like four or five companies, other companies <laughs> along the way together and all simultaneous. And what I learned is that you have to breathe into it. You can't think about the million things that you have going on because if you think no. about it, you'll become so overwhelmed, you'll shut down <laughs> and you'll never be able to do any of it, right? Yep. So mm -hmm. you, you just plan your days, Try to hit your most important things, and you know that you're going to probably get eighty percent of it done. And something's going to pop out of the blue, pop up that is going to derail you, you for a couple <laughs> of those hours, and be okay. Yeah. You're going to get to the rest when you get to the rest. And and really try not to think too much ahead because when you start to, if you try to like really think out the scope of what you have in front of you, right. I think it would have to <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah, half half the folks would fold right there. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. <laughs> So, right. yeah, so that's that's my strategy. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a great point for people that either want to start a business or, you know, are in a business because you do have to kind of stay in that present. Um, I was just talking to one of my other guests about that kind of stay in the present right. moment and not, um, you know, because if you worry about something that happened in the past, obviously you have zero can't do anything about that right now, mm -hmm. you know, and something that may or may not happen in the future, right. you know, can't do anything about that either. Right. You know, like you just have to keep moving, you know, step by step forward and and and, and kind of trust a little bit that you, when when that you'll be able to uh, you'll when it, things come up, 
you will handle them. Right. You don't have to think ahead. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? When it's time to handle that situation, you face it at that time and it'll work out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. That trusting in yourself, trusting that it's going to happen, trusting that everything will fall into place or at least to the extent that it should. Yeah. And that's like, that's a, that's, I think that's a skill set to be able to learn that a really important one. Yeah. I also think the other thing is to, um, when things go wrong, a, the expectation that it's never going to go 100% right. It's no. never. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you have to expect if you're going to start something new and you have the best laid out plans, a strong business plan, everything laid in place, it's absolutely perfect. People are going to love it. You've done a lot of market research. You've tested <laughs> it out there. You know it's going to be something fantastic. You develop it and there's like all of these things you didn't think of. 80% of it is right, 20% of it is off. It's maybe, you know, the finances aren't playing out exactly how you thought, or it's not moving the products and it moving as fast as that you thought it was gonna move. That's normal. And then it's about tweaking. Yeah. And so that's that's something that I've learned is expect the unexpected, expect that you have to tweak, expect that it's a mm -hmm. constant strategy, expect a constant evolution of your product and rethinking it um, and and be willing to make the mistakes along the way and be willing to shift right. when <laughs> things aren't going in the right direction. Because I think people commit so strongly to a direction that they'll go down with the ship. <laughs> You know, sometimes yeah. too. Like, no, this is gonna work. Right. Yeah. We're going all the way. Right. And it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And they're not changing anything. And they can't. And then it's too late. <laughs> right. So when it's not working, make the changes that you need to to make, knowing that each little shift is going to take you take you to your ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean, I think you know that's key. And I mean, I think I've evolved over my own career of being in business for myself because I think I was more on the other side of that initially, because I was one of those people that like, I can't take this phone call because I got these nine things I got to right. do over here. And I'm like, this can't happen right now. So, you know, I just wouldn't take it. And then, you know, but maybe it was an important phone call to take. And now I've gotten better at, okay, you know, in this time, I'm not going to take phone calls, but I'll call this person back if they call in or if I have, you know, if I'm right. depending on what I'm doing and if I have a break where I can break out and come back in easily, because it depends on what I'm doing, because sometimes you like, if you break out, then it takes you another 45 minutes to jump back into right. that focus. Um, so I know I've become better at doing that over the time and become more, cause I always, I'm probably my biggest critic on, you didn't get enough done. I mean, even this week, I mean, the last week or so I felt a little scattered and I was like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm like just feeling like off a little bit and I still probably get yeah. more done than probably 80% of the population out there, right. <laughs> which is what I really have to kind of remind myself. Like even in your scattered time, you're still getting more done than like 80% of like the people out there. And Absolutely. And you know, what I find with like myself and, and I also find with every, like all the folks that I speak to is that it kind of, it's, it's this like ebb and flow, right? Where there's times where you're really productive and there's times where it slows down and you're like, eh, maybe I'm slacking a little bit or you like, you know, <laughs> surf the internet a little bit and take right. a little bit of a break. And you're like, wow, this is a lull. I'm having a break. Should I feel guilty about this? And then, and then you're back up and running and for a week or two, you're underwater and you're doing 20 million things at one time and you accomplish amazing things. And I think it's constantly like that. 
I don't think mm -hmm. that it's a steady production rate. I think no. there's ebbs and flows to it. And that we yeah. have to be okay when, when those quiet moments come to take that time. And it's a, I, I think it's a time of restoration, you know, and so that when those times come for where you're going to push something out or the big creative pushes, you've got the energy to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you say restoration, what, what is that for you? Um, I mean, if you push hard all the time, you burn out. Right. I mean, you're going to burn out. But is like that doing more yoga? Is that meditation for you? Sometimes it... it's just tuning out and watch, like going on the internet and doing something mindless. Sometimes it's playing <laughs> solitaire for me. But it, yeah, there is yoga and meditation and the wellness thing. But let, you know, let's face it, we all have to every once in a while just tune out and do something that's completely mindless, right? <laughs> um, so that's restoration watch for me. Netflix. <laughs> right. Spend a day and not my and spend a day on a weekend in my pajamas. Like you know, that's like. For most folks, you know, like I, that I know, like we all feel guilty, right? If right. we take any time for ourselves, the list is out there. The groceries, the shopping, the things yeah. we want to do, the Laundry. projects, <laughs> the projects we want to work on. And then you're in your pajamas and you're thinking about, wait a minute, I have all these things. I really shouldn't be sitting here and you're not enjoying it. Yeah. So I think if you're going to be in your pajamas, enjoy it. Really take that time yeah. and pamper yourself and do it knowing that it's going to feed your soul and it's going to give you what you need so that you can do everything else. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you, I know you said you started in your 20s on this whole journey. Mm -hmm. So how did you have, I mean, because I don't think I would have ever started a business in my 20s. Like, I think I would have been like, what do you mean start a business? Mm -hmm. Um like, how did you have the confidence and the, like, was it more so, the upbringing? Is it more like the school experience? Yeah, I think it's my personality and nature. Okay. Everywhere I went, I always ended up managing things. You know, when I was in <laughs> high school, I worked at the mall. I worked at a store. I became the assistant manager. When I was out of high school, like somehow I ended up selling door to door, just briefly, water treatment equipment. Like, okay. <laughs> Literally, I forget the name of the company, but I did. And I ended up like, like regional sales manager for it. <laughs> and so like everywhere I kind of went, I ended up in a leadership role. It was just a natural thing from the time I was a kid. Um, and so I ended up making, meeting this amazing mentor. It's just the way that it worked out in life. When I was at 211, somebody that I worked with said, hey, there's this job opening for this um, adolescent um, treatment center that's opening up for a weekend coordinator, would you be interested in interviewing for it? And I interviewed with this guy by the name of Dr. Alan Goodwin, and he was a consultant and he was building the program for a business here in Boca Raton. And he asked me to come on and be the weekend coordinator, um, which I was still in school and I worked 4 p.m. to midnight on Fridays and 8 a.m. to midnight Saturdays and Sundays. And when I got there wow. the first day, they, they showed me the facility. They told me who my nurses were, my therapist, who my therapist was. And they like gave me the keys to the facility, told me I was, I had to get a license to drive a bus with air brakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was still a kid, like, you know, like I was in my early twenties and they threw me in a group with a bunch of kids and I was scared to death. Um, yeah, but it I ended up, <laughs> I would be, what am I doing? Um, but it ended up being a job that just was so amazing. And I met my lifelong mentor, um, okay. Alan Goodwin. Um, he, he was a consultant and he built programs for folks all over the place. And he mentored so many young people who went on to become brilliant business leaders. Huh. And I, I, 
I still, till this day, like I do things or say things that I call my Alanisms because <laughs> he was such a role model for me that I kind yeah. of took on some of his mannerisms, I think as a kid even, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he would go and he would start a program. Somebody would hire him. And so, and so he brought along a bunch of kids that worked with him. And that's actually how I met my two partners. He, got, he hired my, both of them on and wow. we all worked with him. And eventually we <laughs> stayed with one of the places that we built with him. And from there, we went on on our own. But working with him really taught me to think outside the box, to not be afraid to try a new idea. We were putting programs together from scratch, everything, hiring staff, sites, marketing, licensing. So I really got to know all aspects of the business. And I really, you know, and and I felt really prepared to go out and, and, and do it for myself. No, I, but I didn't know what I didn't know. If I knew <laughs> what I didn't know, I would have been scared to death. <laughs> I, had, I know it all. Right? <laughs> exactly. I thought I did. Yeah. But I mean, that's great that you had that experience early on because I know I worked in social services just right out. Well, actually, my last year in college because I had stopped playing tennis. So I actually worked full time instead. So I worked for a battered women's shelter and I was the overnight person. So I did oh, kind yeah, of that same good. thing. Um, I was the overnight person from, what time did I come in? Like 10 p.m. until like 6 a.m. or something like that. So I did that overnight three or four days a week, um, you know, which wasn't anything great in the cash department, but gave me the experience because I wanted to give back and I wanted that experience. And, uh, you know, but I always, and obviously all my job was really was just to make sure if they needed medication or if they needed something in the house because I was in an actual shelter. You know, and if the doorbell happened to ring or if the crisis line rang for someone, you know, an intake, I had to deal, you know, I've dealt with that. Right. Um, And that's pretty much all, you know, what I did. And so some of it was sleeping, some of it was answering phones, some, you know, and then occasionally someone in the shelter would need something and making sure they were all in the shelter by a certain time. Okay. Did you you like it? I did like it. Um, You know, I get bored after a while. Right. Cause I'm one of those people that has to, like I leave jobs because I get bored with the job. Right. Um, Cause I had three different social service jobs in like three years. Okay. And was gonna do a MSW then. And I was like, oh no, I can't do that. I was like burned out in three years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a high burnout field. Yeah. And I just felt the restrictions. And I mean, that was part of my challenge with it was the restrictions because you right. know, like you're funded by whatever source and you right. only can do this because the funding is only good for this. And right. Right. Um, I think my last job, which was the longest of the three, was dealing with youth, and um, and we were a crisis in a, like the part of the organization. It was a pretty big organization in Chicago, and so the part I was involved in was the crisis intervention side of it. Right. So we would be on call, you know, for twenty four hour shifts, and so we had back in the day of the beeper. <laughs> we had beepers, and so like I learned to like hate that sound when the thing would go off in the middle of the night and wake you up. So did you have to go on site crisis intervention and drive to the place of crisis? Yeah. yeah well, the, the, the good news and bad news is it was with, it was like, it was uh, Cook County, but it was like Northern Cook County. So which is Chicago and like Northwest. So basically Northwest Chicago and then Proviso and Leiden Townships, um, which is in the Northwest outside of Cook County. Okay. And so we had to go to police stations when a kid refused to go home or a parent refused to take their kid home. Ah. So we would work to our goal and the funding was really to try reunify that, assuming there wasn't abuse or something like that. But the sure. kids that we dealt with usually manipulated everything. Like, you know, they just didn't want to listen to the parent or they were already wrapped up in the gangs on the street yeah. or 
um, things like that. I had one case, I just remember it was a young woman that was like suicidal. So like I was able to obviously get her help because she didn't want to go with her mother. She wanted to be with her dad, but her mother, I guess, had the custody or her mother was the one that was in the play and there was some stuff that was going on with their mother. So, you know, because she was, you know, suicidal and, you know, we were able to get her in treatment and then her dad came into play. But, you know, I remember there was just certain things I could even do because of like the funding was only, here's what it's for. Right. <laughs> like you can't do the X, Y, and Z because, right. um, you know, and then we had to also do crisis intervention for foster homes. Um, right. So I definitely know that work. I've done all of it. Yeah. Everything you said, we, so. we do <laughs> for the most part. We don't have a, the domestic violence shelter, but we work with kids in crisis, adults in crisis. Yeah. I operate the Henderson Behavioral Health operates the mobile uh, response team for yep. Broward County for all the crisis in Broward. So we send people out um, right. to respond. So, yeah. But, I yeah, I think if I had been more in that, you know, maybe in the either program side or like the right, building, the, the, like it would have been, you know, and obviously I was still young. I was like 22, 23. You know, I think I left that industry when I was maybe 24 and I went completely different. I went into financial <laughs> services because I, I was like, I was so burned out. And I like went, and, you know, back in the day when there was wire operators and, you know, financial planners offices, you know, so I right. would put orders in for like, you know, 10,000 shares of whatever. Right. Back before they could do it themselves. And like, so it gave me this break, but I only let, you know, I stayed there for maybe 14 months because I got bored there and I didn't want to be, I had no desire to be a financial planner. Like, I don't want to deal with the other people's money. Right. Um, and I could have been a trader. Like, that was really what I was interested in. It was more of that, but I had to move to like Milwaukee or somewhere. And I was like, eh. Or I want to be in Milwaukee. <laughs> I was so in Chicago at the there? time. What's you from there for you? For you, like, where did you like after that? The financial planning. I went into tennis. Back back to the roots of what I grew up with and wow. played. So I I taught tennis and ran programs for tennis for fourteen years. Wow. While I went back and got my MBA at the time, and like I went part time at one point when I was down here. Um, but I always, but I never wanted. I mean, the money's really in the teaching side of it, or you know, if you are like a director of tennis for like a country club. So I had right. zero desire to be a director of tennis for a country club because I didn't really want to sell my soul to, um, you know, they make good money, don't get me wrong, but you have to kind of kowtow to all the the members, you know, the high-end right. clubs. Right, right. So, but I would run like a, I ran a junior program for a country club. So I was good with that. Like I liked that because okay. it gave me that balance between the mental side and the online, you know, the physical side of going out and teaching. Um, okay interacting but um i did that for 14 years and then i was like okay enough with that <laughs> now i'm out doing something else but yeah okay. but i think it's always like you said it's always about learning growing you know figuring Absolutely. out how to improve and i think that's what that entrepreneurial you know whether you're owning a business or you're you know what you are the ceo of right. a business you know now you still have that entrepreneurial mind which is obviously what makes you successful in what you do right Right. Well, you see something that you see a need and you want to you want to fill it. I think that's yeah. what it is. The entrepreneurial is very like, oh, I see I see a need here. or I see an opportunity here. How do right. I make this happen? And, you know, I look at business in a, in a way that is like creative. You know, there's the there's the nuts and bolts of it and the logistics side of business. But, but business is an art form like, you know, people paint paintings. Other people paint 
live buildings and right. <laughs> you know and programs and build things that are, are, are you know a part of society but it, it's just as much of a creative uh, outlet to to put something beautiful into society that serves society and yeah. so uh, to me that part of it is really attractive to me and then the other part is the strategy part is to figure out all the pieces to make something work and something work well um, because it's right. one thing to make it work but another thing to make it work elegantly and beautifully um, and that that is to see that it gives me like tremendous joy um, and that that really drives me not only the product because I, for me i'm very mission-based i would never do anything for the sake of business yeah. for me is do i believe in what i'm doing is right. it a value to society is it aligned with who i am as a human being and what i want my contribution to this world to be and then that's my first question and if it is then i get involved but after that it's about building a beautiful business mm -hmm. that serves the world in a good way and yeah. that I I get such a thrill from. It's it's fun. Yeah, and I think you you brought up a great point of you know it aligns with all your values first. And Without think, a doubt. You know, and I've talked with other entrepreneurs or business owners on this um, show about you know they all have a passion for what they do. And sometimes you see people that start businesses because you know oh my friend started the business and they made all this money and right. now I start it and then they don't have they a don't make the same money because they don't have a passion for it. And right. so they don't know how to build it the same way because they're just doing it for the money and not for what it's doing to affect the world. Yeah, you know, from a it's this and for my I'm gonna mix in a little bit of my woo woo perspective on this. <laughs> I have this woo woo perspective that I put into to to this side of it. Like I've gone into these just even in retail stores. I have this friend of mine that can set up a retail store that's been in and and fashion and, and retail for a long time and everything she sets up looks so beautiful and you go in there and it's eye candy and you want to buy it all because she has <laughs> such an eye for this and she has such a love for it and she puts it in so beautifully and what, what you're buying into is her vision right. and the connection you make is to that love that she has for her product and that's the underlying energy that people connect to that makes you want to buy in or the belief in a product or you know mm -hmm. and so there's something to that that there's an energy and that that underlies that feeling that you have for your company that people yeah. buy into. They buy into the fact that you buy into it. Right. They say you never sell a person on your product, you sell a person on a person on you and your belief, yeah. you know, and and your belief in it. And so you have to have that. It's fundamental. All the great companies in the world have that. Mm -hmm. They all believe their product's the most amazing product for society, whatever it is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, that's very true. Um, and I, you know, as while we're talking, if we're going to talk about some of like the fundamentals for me, like the, that I feel like are really critical these days is conscious business and how to do business in a way that's been done in a new way. Um, that there is opportunity for win-wins in business. There's opportunities mm -hmm. for balanced business. That businesses that do the right thing by their staff, by their community, by their stakeholders. And when I say stakeholders, it's not just shareholders. It's every stakeholder. Right. And yeah. when you're really thoughtful about the way you th do things and try to do the least amount of harm, the most amount of good and balance it all out that your companies actually do better. Conscious businesses, now we know when you look at them, outperform financially, other businesses tend to win. So you're going to win really? no matter what you win. So why not do it the right way? So I'm such a proponent in conscious business and conscious business really means being thoughtful, right? being mission-based, being thoughtful, doing the most amount of good again, 
not being perfect, you know, but wherever you can, continuously improving to do the best that you can by everyone around you. And so um, that, yeah, what was interesting to me when you start looking at it now, like if you look up conscious business, there's paradigms, of, you know, it's a paradigm, it's a, there's, there's a structure to it, it's been studied, there's articles about it from, you know, from various universities and, and, and folks that are super credible and they do really well. Wow. So I think that there's an opportunity to really refine that, to be mm -hmm. champions for that, to look into that, to learn more about that, what it takes to become that, and how to do business in a different way, in a more evolved way. We don't have to, you know, it's not like, you know, we don't have to take each other's toys or compete or like, <laughs> you know, lay down the hammer or <laughs> try to take as much for the company, you know, the share in, and not, not be thoughtful of the folks that work for us. and whatever yeah. it is and not to say that everyone's like that but it happens right it happens out there but in and that was an old paradigm it was a very competitive there was a different kind of a need for survival that we came from that that kind of probably underlie you know underlies that um, right. competitiveness and that need to protect mm -hmm. but i think that we have gone to this point where we can see past that Mm -hmm. And we can get to a place where we can ensure that a company is successful without having to do that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I haven't studied conscious business, but it's interesting. I'm have to now. I have to go look that up. Oh yeah, that, you'll <laughs> love it. It's a great rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, okay, when's that going to fit in the schedule? But, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I well, I could sit here and talk to you all day. So, um, but in essence of time, and uh, so people. It's hard enough for people to watch an hour. So before we go two hours. <laughs> oh, I have one more thing. Can I say one yeah, more thing? Please. Leadership. Leadership is not uh, something we're born with. It's something that we develop. It's something that we're mentored into. Yeah. Find your mentors out there. Find the people that are great role models. Engage them in teaching you and guiding you. Engage them in conversation. Read a ton of books. Go to a ton of lectures. See what sticks with you. So you've got, it's a constant evolution for all of us. No matter where we're at, we always could use learning more and refining what we do. Mm -hmm. And the other thing as a leader that I believe is the most important thing is that our role is to inspire first and foremost, and then to mentor people into being the best versions of themselves they can be and, you know, and, and providing the best that they can in their role to a company. And so our staff are really a reflection of how, how much mentorship we give to them. You yeah. know, I see a lot of like, you know, not a lot of, but there's not always this, um, this sense of responsibility for your team. But when you look around and you have a team, everything good and bad about your team is a reflection of what you provide to people because it's our job to coach people into being the best right. part people they can be for a position or if they don't work, not have them in the position. Either way, yeah. it's us. So never blame a human being that works for you for not providing a good job. We gotta look to yourself, it's always on us. And yeah. always asking ourselves, how can I better train? How can I better serve? How can yeah. I better refine this so that the person could do what they need to do? Or do I have the right person in the right role? Right. No, Sorry, I, I have to say that because I think that's <laughs> critical. I think that there's oftentimes, I see a lot of blame, like somebody, you know, yeah. I, I'll look at leaders and like, they'll say something and blame their staff. And I'm like, well, it's your, it's our job. You can't yeah. blame a staff. It's our job to, to ensure performance. <laughs> blame yourself yeah. if somebody's not performing because you failed them. Yeah. No, there's a podcast I listen to and that's what he talks about. He's like, 
you know, I'll go out in the warehouse and start sweeping the floor because if I can't do it, how do I mentor my employees to do it? It's like, it's not just the janitor's position to do it. It's like everyone, if you see something that's, you know, someone dropped near the trash can and didn't put in the trash can, like pick it up. Don't, you know, it's like, don't be entitled because, well, my job is like, CEO, so I'm I can't do that, you know. Like it's for the cleaning staff, you know, to do. Um, But he's he's big into that. But so if you had to tell someone that wanted to start a business, one thing that you and so you have to narrow this down to one, (laughs) all the stuff we've talked about, one thing that you found pivotal in you starting your first business or any business for that, you know, Casamana Bliss sounds like. Compared to some of the other stuff you've done, like a, a baby business, even though it's still a pillar in the society, but one thing that you found was either you learned, you know, or maybe you already had, but you just, you know, you recognize that, oh, I have this skill set already, and that's what really helped me excel early on. Um, don't be afraid to jump into the abyss of not knowing. Just go for it. Don't overthink it. You know, I think a fear stops most people from doing it. Yeah. I mean, you'll figure it out. Just do it. Funny, that was like almost an identical answer to um, Allie Kaufman from Space of Mind. She, she's pretty much said the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's key because I think as, especially when you go into business for yourself, you know, you don't. You don't, like you said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you're so often used to being in a position in a company where, you know, here's your box that you go in. And if you weren't one of the, you know, and here was your job description. So this is what you dealt with. And now you got to do kind of a little bit of everything to really understand. So if you haven't been exposed to that yet, I mean, it sounds like you were exposed to it because you had, you know, either internships or, you know, early jobs that exposed you to different aspects of the business, but a lot of people haven't been exposed to that. Well, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. I really didn't know finance or budgeting to the extent I did. I never did that side of it. I had to learn. I thought I knew everything, you know, I thought I knew everything, but there's always stuff to learn and, and yeah. figure it out. And every step, because when you have a little company, like you, 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 it's different skill set than a mid-sized company than a large company. So you have to learn all over again. So, but just do it, do yeah. it. Don't be afraid. You know, have a well laid out plan to the extent that you can, but not to the extent where you freeze thinking you are missing a piece and don't move forward. Yeah, move forward. And if anyone had any specific questions for you or, you know, wanted to reach out in any way, what's the best way to connect? Is it social oh, media? Is yeah, it- social media, Vivian DeMille. Uh, I, I'm on Facebook, I'm on uh, Instagram, I'm on Twitter, and it's Vivian DeMille, D-E-M-I-L-L-E. That's the best way to reach out to me. Yeah, I so saw you're on LinkedIn too. Oh, LinkedIn. Oh, I forgot LinkedIn. I can't <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn too. I'm on all of them. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. I feel like I'm a little too old for TikTok. I don't know. We're on TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be like the crazy TikTok, you know, the right. dancer. Like, I can't dance. Nobody wants to see me dance or sing. That'll probably go viral. Those are the ones that go viral or the stupid ones. I'm like, really? Like, who sits around and watches this stuff all day? You know, like a million likes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for joining thank me today. Thank you for having me. And it's been fun. thank you for joining us on the Dream Plan Start Grow show. My name is Allison Turner. Again, I had Vivian DeMille on here with me today. And I look forward to coming back next, next week with a different guest. But if you have any questions, please reach out to me on the dreamplanstartgrow.com website. 
all of our podcasts are there, including some other videos and other content like blogs are there as well. Um, I love working with startups. So if you're thinking about starting a company, reach out to me. I do offer 30 minute complimentary consultation on that site. Thank you for joining me and I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join the Dream Plan Start Grow community by following us on Facebook or Instagram at Dream Plan Start Grow. See you in the next episode.